Dr. King, what's happening? What's going on, Jeremy? Um, welcome to the Best You Podcast. Thanks, man. Thank you for being here. I'm excited to, to chat with you. Thanks for having me on, man. It's been and good listening to what you've been talking about so far. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, for, for the f- folks who are uh, tuning in today, let's give them a brief overview, you know, who you are, what you're doing, what you're up to, and, and that kind of spiel real quick. Sure thing. So I am a physical therapist and I own a practice called Limitless Physical Therapy and Performance which happens to be inside of your gym. I didn't know if you knew that or not. You know, I thought I've seen yeah. you around here. That's right. But. That's right. <laughs> yeah, man. So, you know, what I'm trying to do is I've, I've already done the corporate gig of working with uh, larger franchise operations that <clears throat> while they're really good at what they do and they employ good people, are not equipped to handle um, the one-on-one time that I really went to school for, right? So to really bring about change in my clients, I really value the one-on-one experience. So... A few years ago, I just I started kind of exploring this whole out of network, um, this out of network territory in rehab and in medicine, where um, you know we don't use insurance, and um, some people um, some people question me on on why I'm doing it, and really the answer is I love spending an hour one on one with all my clients and really getting into breaking down people's movement figuring out why they're injured in the first place, getting to the root cause of things like that. And that requires time. That's what it comes down to. So um, this personalized approach is definitely a different thing in the Detroit metro area. There are not a lot of people doing this, especially inside of a gym. But I really, you know, I pride our business in the fact that we are fitness oriented and uh, we help active people, athletes, uh, people who aren't comfortable moving, all these people that have pain, I'm trying to help them get out of it, get back to being active again. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah. so why is it that you can't accept insurance if you want to spend an hour with someone? Like, what is the link between accepting insurance and not being able to spend quality time with someone? Sure. That, great question. So the primary thing that, that happens in the insurance world is to be in network with an insurance company, you have to take massive cuts in their reimbursement, right? Okay. And so when you look at it from a corporate or a business perspective, uh, to maintain profits um, for a company, what you have to do is you have to then see more people in one hour, just in order to maintain. And um, there's a lot of crazy things happening behind the scenes in the reimbursement world. And uh, Medicare just proposed an 8% cut to physical therapy reimbursement in 2021. Yeah, so 8% seems small, but no, when you huge. scale that over, you know, six, seven, eight figure practices that right. are, um, you know, doing a lot of good in the community and right. trying to help people, uh, it's, it's a massive problem. Yeah. Right? So that paired with the fact that there is regulatory red tape all over the place. So um, I can't tell you how many times I've been working with someone where we literally have to plead with someone who does not have a degree in medicine or physical therapy. We have to plead with this person to give me one or two more visits uh, to sure. continue helping someone who may even be like a like a post-surgical person, right. right? They're like a spinal fusion or like an ACL repair. Just to get them a couple more visits that they can spend with me, I have to beg and spend hours of my time on the phone. With someone with who's people. not nearly as educated. And they're making the decision. They're yeah. the gatekeeper for this. For so, sure. You know, I just, simplicity, um, removing all like the, the extra little fees that can come down the road anyways. A lot of people have deductibles, so they're paying out of pocket anyways. Yeah. And I'm just trying to cut through all the garbage there yeah. and just say, flat rate, um, work with me for an hour. Let's spread this out over one or two months and really dig into what's 
causing this in the first place for you. Yeah. Makes sense? No, for sure. That's yeah. awesome. And because I, I think that's a common misunderstanding people have because they think they'll get a, you know, a cheaper, better rate if yeah. they use their insurance, which we don't have to go into all the differences with that and, and when you could or couldn't, whatever. But I think people like they may see that price tag initially yeah, and yeah. be like, oh man, this is way too expensive. I can't do it. But then like you said, when you really get to the end of the road, yeah, you may actually end up paying the same anyway. And even if you pay a little bit cheaper, you're not getting near the quality of care that you would get just kind it's of doing true, straight yeah. up. Yeah, so. You know, the, the standard uh, the standard box that the physician will check when they're writing a prescription for PT, which is another thing when I'm out of network, I don't have to have a prescription from a, a physician, oh, yeah. which is nice. Skips a step there. But yep. the standard box to check is the three times a week for four weeks, right? 12 visits in a month working with a PT. And uh, my bias is definitely more towards getting people involved in their own care and not having them rely on having to come to me three times a week. So, sure. you know, my average, my average client is with me one time a week for six times right now. And that's not, uh, that's a pretty big difference in oh, yeah. total cost, even when you look at it that way. But Actually, it just goes to show if you're able to do that yeah. in six visits instead of 12, it's the time you know? it's what you're providing in that yeah. time. And it just can't be provided in a 15 minute, yeah. 20 minute appointment. Um, so anyway, so that's, that's cool. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually, uh, I acted like a ghost patient, um, once and I called around all the large health systems. <laughs> this is super nerdy. Of me, but <laughs> like, Hey, my knee's hurting. Um, and I don't have insurance. What's your cash rate if, or, or what would I pay if my deductible is 10,000 or $5,000? Yeah. Um, I'm like, I mean, I'm like 30, 50% cheaper than what other companies bill yeah. per hour. So Sticker shock sometimes people get immediately, of course. but they, it's it's more based out of a misunderstanding of how oh, yeah. insurance and their deductible works in the first place. Yeah, and, you know, I'm I'm not charging I'm not charging a tons and tons of money like some of the larger corporate places. Yeah, there. and I bet if we surveyed the people that you've worked with over the last year, yeah. you know, everyone would agree that they're getting Absolutely. high value Absolutely. for for what is being provided. So that's cool, man. Well, yeah. thanks for that explanation. Yeah. So today, you know, we wanted to, I wanted to talk a little bit about. You know, as fitness coaches, you know, and working with so many people, it's, I mean, it's just a natural thing that we're going to deal with aches and pains and injuries, whether they're brand new things or things that are revisiting from someone's past. And it's a super common, you know, thing that we're dealing with on a regular basis, helping someone work through pain and or train around an injury or, you know, come back from an injury, maybe after they've worked with you or someone like you. And so I do think there's a big misconception or at least confusion with what constitutes as an injury, what is my pain really telling me? Should I rest? Should I work through it? Should I ice it? Like what, what do I do in these scenarios? So I wanted to kind of get your, you know, we've talked a little bit about pain in the past and I think you do a really good job of explaining kind of what pain is in general, but then, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you're a big proponent of moving right. and using movement to help get people stronger, get them out of pain and get them moving better. But we all know that there are some things that you probably should rest. And so I wanted to dive into some of that. Sure. Okay. So if we could, maybe let's start a little bit with you know, a brief overview of how you would kind of define what pain is and just to give people a perspective of, of what, when we say pain, what are we even talking about? Sure. So that's good. I think it's good to start with what is pain before we even talk about injuries actually. Yeah. So that's a, it's a good, good idea for the flow here. So, um, now, uh, I was first kind of educated on the neuroscience behind pain from a guy named Adrian Lowe, who is one of the leading researchers 
um, on on this neuroscience behind pain and we understand things a lot differently now. Are than you we name did. dropping? Ah, uh, yeah. It's okay, that's cool. Though. Yeah, he's, I mean, <laughs> any of the nerds that are listening to this, they <laughs> they're know like, oh yeah, he's the man. Right. Yeah. Um, anyways, um, this guy, um, this guy loves to use analogies to help people, you know, PTs, healthcare professionals, but more importantly, his patients and his clients understand what pain is and. Two of my favorite analogies are the analogy of the sunburn, and this is something that I might as well talk about it, right? Yeah. So imagine that imagine that you go, I can always relate with this. I always <laughs> joke about it when I tell people because I am fairer than most people I know in my life. <laughs> I get sunburns a lot. So um, if you were to get a sunburn and the next morning you wake up, well, maybe you shower before bed, maybe you shower in the morning, but let's say you wake up the next morning to take your, take your shower before you go to work. Um, What's the thing that normally happens? If you just turn that on to lukewarm water, the same temperature setting you normally would turn it on to, and you step into the shower, like what does it feel like to you? It feels like hot and pain. Right. And it hurts. It, yeah. it feels like your skin's getting burned yeah. off, right? Yeah. Now, is that an accurate message? Is that an accurate thing that's actually happening to your skin though? Right? Yeah, I mean, I, the, I feel like the sensation is accurate, Correct. but it's not being caused by too hot of exactly, water. Exactly, exactly. So I think... Uh, Understanding that pain is this this sensation yeah. and not the actual thing that's happening sure. in the tissue is a really important thing to differentiate. It's not like someone went in uh, in the middle of the night and tampered with your water heater uh -huh. and cranked it up twenty degrees, right. right? So that you would be scalding at the same sense at the same right. temperature, right? It is essentially uh, the same the temperature. Same temperature that water. Felt great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your skin is not burning off. You're not on fire. It just hurts a lot yeah. more because the skin is sensitive for yeah. what happened to it, right? Sure. So understanding and differentiating there between, you know, sometimes what you feel is not necessarily what is actually happening to your body tissues, mm -hmm. right? In this, in that example, skin. Exactly. Another one uh, being uh, an alarm system, mm -hmm. right? I think this is probably my favorite and the one that I use the most, but um, <clears throat> understanding if you've ever had a, a, an alarm system installed in your house, how um, you can actually tweak the sensors to be extra sensitive, not as sensitive, right? tweak it so that if someone just budges into your door that alarm system uh, starts blaring off or you can you can desensitize it and make it so that someone has to like shatter your window or you know break <laughs> they down need to be serious door. oh that's right that's right like why even have an alarm system yeah, that's right. but um so the idea that that an alarm system is a measure of sensitivity right this is exactly what our nerves our brain our spinal cord the nerves that come away from it um, when we have a pain experience, uh, this is what happens. Our, our nervous system um, sends some information out to our body to, to analyze uh, what is actually happening, mm -hmm. right? And the stuff maybe in, uh, I, the common analogy I use is stepping on a tack, right? The information flows back and forth between your foot stepping on a tack all the way up to your brain, down to your foot, and all over the place, you know, however many times that might happen. And, and this information is synthesized, and a lot of people, when they have pain, all that is is, is the alarm system is a little bit trigger-happy, right? It's a little extra sensitive. Um, and this can be from a lot of different reasons. This can be because they've never experienced that thing before. They've never stepped on a tack before, right? Or let's use maybe a, more of a fitness analogy here mm -hmm. for someone who has back pain, right? And they, they bend to pick something up and their back hurts, right? They may not have been like that in the past to, to pick something up before, right? And so their alarm system is blaring at them mm -hmm. and is trying to, trying to get them to pay attention to something that's going on, right? Mm -hmm. Or it may be that, uh, this is probably the more common thing that I see, 
that person hurt one of their discs, let's just say, uh, 10 years ago, and they had a horrible experience, and they took four months off of work because of it, and they had fights with their wife because of it, and all these complicating factors came into the situation, and they go in the gym to pick up something heavy from the ground for the first time in 10 years, and they are scared out of their mind. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, just the memories and the other other things associated with this experience can make that experience more sensitive. So is um, that is that, I mean, is it fair to then say that you know, there's a component of psychology involved with pain. It's Absolutely. not just physical. There, there's no doubt. There's right no on. doubt that the things that contribute to pain are ever evolving and more complex than we still even know. But sure. psychology is absolutely a part of it. This Adrian guy, uh, the, the main phrase I always remember him saying is, it's your job to tell, to communicate to patients that the pain is all in their head without them thinking that it's all in their head, right? right. The things being, you know, your nerve, your nervous system, yeah. your brain is is the control center for the experience. Yeah. But it's not made up. It's not fake. It's not that you're not experiencing pain. It's just, just that there's a lot of that's things the that control center. Yeah. yeah. So when we look at you know things that happen in the gym or just in daily life that cause pain, um, because it's such a, a complex experience, it's important to not be frightened right away, because it's not always necessarily something that is actually torn or injured or right. inflamed or swollen that's happening inside. Yeah. It could simply just be an alarm system that a couple of movement, you know, you know, shaking your leg out or like a quick stretch or something. Sometimes those things take care of this sensitivity uh, better than anything else can. Yeah, and I think, you know, what I, I a thought came into my mind as you were talking about the tack situation. I think there, you know, when you're doing something brand new that, and it could be exercise related, right? Lifting a, lifting a weight yeah. that you've never done before or it's been a really long time and maybe it's uncomfortable at first and right. that uncomfortableness, you know, tells your body, maybe you've, you, 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 you absorb that as pain, even though it's just something new. Yeah. And then when you experience it more and more, you realize that, oh, this is just kind of a normal feeling involved with this activity. Right. So, yes. so like that sensitivity yes. level of like when you're brand new to something, mm -hmm. maybe you're ultra sensitive to any type of signs of discomfort or pain. Yes. But as you do it more and more, your sensitivity kind of goes down. And it's yeah. not that you've developed a higher pain tolerance necessarily. It's just that you're interpreting that feeling as a different yeah. signal. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Like you, you can rewrite that program in your brain yeah. and say, hey, when I try new movements, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. That's not necessarily Bad. me yeah. injuring myself, sure. right? I see this all the time. I mean, you, you see this too, right? Delayed onset muscle soreness mm -hmm. is like the classic example of someone hurts really, really bad two days after they maybe lifted a little heavier than, than they were. Like their muscles are tender to the touch, stretching it hurts. It's, it's, you know, they can't sit down on the toilet without excruciating pain. Like all of us in the CrossFit world certainly have been there in the past, but um, understanding that delayed onset soreness is simply this temporary thing that fades usually after 72 hours yeah. um, can save you from, you know, essentially staying away from the gym, like taking two weeks off, popping a bunch of pills that you didn't necessarily need to. Sure. The only differentiating factor there is understanding that that was an injury yeah. and seeking someone out about it maybe to get that understanding or, yeah. uh, you know, having maybe a past experience of understanding that that's delayed onset soreness and not injury. Yeah. It, 
that can save you a, a lot of money. In I once heard a strength coach, and I forget who it was, yeah. but he said something like, I don't believe in overtraining. Hmm. I believe in undertraining. And what he meant by that was, and the analogy he used, or the, the you know situation he uses, imagine you started a job as a, as a uh, garbage man. Yeah. First time, and you're normally, your previous job, you sit at a desk, and you start as a garbage man, and you work an eight-hour shift as a garbage man. You're probably going to be pretty dang sore the next day. Sure. Does that mean that you overworked yesterday? Because in a month, you're going to go to an eight-hour day, and you're going to get done, and you're going to wake up the next day, and you're going to feel fine. And his mentality was, it's not that you overtrained on day one, it's that you were undertrained going into it. Sure. And now that you've trained, you can recover from that. that not to say that that's no, my yeah, belief yeah. and how I, how I sure. view it, but it's, it's an interesting thought of, you know, just because something feels maybe bad yep. in, a, in a sense doesn't always mean that it is bad. It's just you need to understand. I think, what did you say the other day, like pain understood is pain... Not feared. Not feared or yeah, something like that? yeah. And it's I, a good quote. It's, it's not that. my quote by sure. any means. I'm not sure where I picked that up at. Yeah. I think that might have been one of Adrian's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just steal everything from him. That's okay. It's helpful though. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, you understand what's going on. Yeah. You understand what pain is and you, you stop being scared of it. Right? Yeah. yeah. Now, that's not to say pain is not all, always that. Correct. Way, right? Sometimes, yeah, and let's get into that a little bit and, yeah. and talk a little bit about, you know, I think in this, in, in our field, you know, there are some common go-to mantras when it comes to pain right you got the no pain no gain folks who you know if you ain't hurting you ain't working type of mentality we'll talk maybe a little bit about that we have the people who the first sign of pain you know you're doing too much you need to stop and rest until the pain goes completely away other people use the 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 rice acronym you know rest ice compression Mm -hmm. elevation and and some people you know i know you're a big proponent of when appropriate, move through that pain in a, in a safe manner. Um, so let's kind of maybe break some of these down. And, you know, when the, this no pain, no gain philosophy, mm-hmm. how do you, when you hear that, kind of what comes to mind and when is it appropriate to, to quote unquote work through the pain? And when would someone know that it's probably more appropriate to, to stop and or reevaluate what the heck's going on? Yeah. So my rule of thumb here, because this is, there are such different archetypes of of a person out there that it's hard to like standardize this to everyone. Of course. Uh, The thing that I usually preach to people is that there's a process that everyone can go through with when they have some sort of a pain experience to try to find out where they're at on that spectrum, right? Now, what, what I generally say is, if you have some sort of a pain experience, especially during, during activity, I think mm-hmm. this is the most relevant. Yeah. Um, the best thing to do is not to, not to just cease that activity, right? Your body is telling you something is going on. Mm-hmm. You should pay attention to it. Pain is a helpful stimulus. Sure. However, um, before you just cease activity and stop and uh, get scared of it and, and go home and put some ice on it and then pop like four ibuprofen, <laughs> uh, the, the better thing to do is to evaluate, uh, can you modify that activity at all? Right? When we look at fitness, how many ways are there to modify a certain movement? You look at you look at something as simple as a squatting movement, right? If back squats are on the menu for a certain workout, uh, you can lower the weight, right? You can do less repetitions, right? Um, 
you can lower the weight substantially and do higher amount of repetitions and reevaluate does that does the pain still hurt with the movement or does it not right decrease does, range of motion yeah, yeah. You, can you can decrease the tempo. range of motion you can you can decrease the tempo or you can change the tempo yeah. absolutely use a box to sit on yeah. right um, you could change the way that you're loading that movement. You could switch to a goblet squat where yep. the weight's counterbalancing you in front of your body instead of a barbell on your back. Um, all of those things in my mind and the way that I coach people is to try to take yourself through that spectrum first before you get alarmed because a lot of times um, it's just your tissues, your muscles, your tendons, your joints fighting to adapt and to change and to try to get used to the thing that you're throwing at it. And if if you're just kind of nudging up against the barrier of what capacity your tissues have, um, backing off of it a slight amount might be enough to, to make you still be able to stay in the game without pain. Right? Yeah. Now, if you change your, if you modify all the variables that can, uh, that can be a part of this conversation, if you modify all those things and pain is still around, what I oftentimes say is, all right, let's take all of the fitness variables out of it and let's say just body weight, right? So with the squatting example, does getting in and out of a chair still bother it, mm -hmm. right? Does um, a squat is essentially knees coming closer to your chest to some degree. Does laying on your back and pulling your knees closer to your chest still bother it? Mm -hmm. These are really easy ways to self-evaluate your, you know, to self-evaluate before you freak out about what's going on. And yeah. a lot of times, and and it's a very trustworthy process. I think a lot of times people will experience less or no pain with some of those movements and can really avoid a substantial entry into the medical system which is not always the best option for this kind of a situation right? for sure so i don't i don't know if that fully answers really what you're talking about but i do think um you know the no pain no gain category is not right right and the need to go ice it as soon as it hurts me at all is not right mm -hmm. the middle ground is where most of us need to be living sure. uh, to avoid you know small or catastrophic problems yeah right uh, you, you've heard the term acute chronic workload ratio. Have you heard that thrown around? Acute chronic workload? No, I haven't. All right, so um, this, is, this is something that is talked about a lot in my circles. And um, just to kind of dilute it a little bit, you know, we're really talking about the ratio of uh, things that fatigue your body to things that recover your body. Okay. Right? And um, the reason that the no pain, no gain camp is not necessarily the right place to pitch your tent is that um, without adequate recovery, you know, we talked about overtraining yep. a couple minutes ago, without adequate, adequate recovery, if we pummel our body over and over and over again, and we constantly are surpassing this level of strength that our tendons have and this level of capacity that our cartilage has in our, in our body, like we are going, that, that's the best and most reliable recipe for, <laughs> for problems, yeah. for injury problems, yeah. right? Um, and so there is a balance that we absolutely need with things like sleep, uh, nutrition, the things that help our body to regenerate and to recover. And so the balancing of, of things acutely that are stressful to our body, which is super healthy, right? right. Growth comes out of stress. Correct. Right? Um, the balance of, of things like that and things on the other side that, that help us recover and regenerate has to be something that's in the conversation, especially for athletes. Um, in order to avoid injury. Yeah. I've heard, you know, yeah. And I've yeah. Uh, sometimes how I'll kind of relate that to someone would be for every high, there has to be a low. Yeah, no doubt. And the higher the high, the lower the low. Right. So if you have a super intense bout with whether it's exercise or you go do a race or whatever, mm -hmm. that's a very high high. 
you're going to need a low low to recover from that. Yeah. And now if on a daily basis your highs aren't very high, well then your lows don't need to be as low. Sure. So yeah. maybe another visual type way to kind of no, think about that's, the same. That's really, really good. Right and then even just to kind of play off that analogy, yeah. if you're low all the time, your body does not adapt to Correct. the stress and you don't get stronger and fitter. Absolutely. Right? So staying in the in the every time it hurts, i got to go put ice category also yeah. is not helpful for that Makes ratio. Makes total sense, right? yeah. Um, because we, our body craves stress, healthy amounts of stress to adapt yeah. and to grow and to for tendons to get thicker. I mean, it's that's in rehab and in fitness. That principle is alive and well. Totally. Yeah. So how do you, I oftentimes when I'm, when I'm coaching someone through their plan, will try to teach them to distinguish the difference between pain and discomfort, especially during a workout. You know, you use squat as an example. So we'll use that. Well, let's say I'm doing a workout and I get, you know, 10 reps in or 20 reps in or whatever I'm doing. And I start to feel discomfort in my, in my legs. I'm starting to get fatigued. My muscles are starting to burn. Well, some characterize that as pain. Like, Oh, this is starting to hurt. Right. Well, there's a big difference between your muscles getting tired and you feeling that burn and your knees are starting to pinch or your hips are starting to pinch or you feel like something is, is wrong. And so is that something you ever, you know, try to educate people on is, is learning how to distinguish the difference between fatigue and discomfort and actual something is wrong here. You know, this, this hurts and, and that pain signal that's teaching me or telling me, Hey, maybe I should back it down a little bit, or maybe I should try a different movement to see if I have the same type of symptom. Sure. Sure. You know, I think, um, it's a personalized basis for all of these, these sure. things, but for sure, um, I think understanding, um, that when you are having the pain, when you're experiencing it, right? Um, when that specifically is happening, you might have discomfort, right? Um, what about immediately after it? Yeah. Is the discomfort still there? What about 24 hours after it? Is the discomfort still there? Um, that doesn't help you during a session, of course. right? <laughs> um, because it requires monitoring. But right. you know, we we all do need to be on some level, some journey of self discovery here, and like understanding how our body responds to movements like this. Yeah. Um, and I I think people need to look at it as during, right after, and up to twenty four hours after. Okay. How is their body responding to that? Yeah. And not just gauge it from how they feel during the actual workout. Of course. That. So that, I mean, that's the main thing that I that I have my clients go through is, is understanding that. Um, also, I mean, just from like a thirty thousand foot view, uh, the way that things feel is often a pretty. It's not very reliable, but it's it's an indicator at least of what's going on. So, for example, uh, burning. Right? People often describe the the fatigue pain, if, especially if they've never felt it before, as like my legs hurt. Well, what do your legs hurt like? Right? Does it feel like your legs are on fire? Does it feel like they're there's a lot of pressure in there. A lot of times that's just them, like they're experiencing the blood rush and of the course. fatigue that's coming from workout, yeah. right? Now, uh, the the things that, that always I always make sure I double check are, hey, um, I feel weak all of the sudden, or I'm getting a sharp shooting pain down my entire leg, or my foot went numb. These are things like the way that people can describe it. So wait, that's not normal. No, that's or, not normal. Oh, that's shoot. Right. Yeah. That's right. I've been doing it wrong. That's right. <laughs> oh man. So I, I think though, like, you know, getting people to describe and maybe use more yeah, words I like, yeah. as, as a coach 
trying to get our clients to expand their vocabulary on what it's feeling like sometimes can kind of ramp down the fear, right? Yeah. Um, the other time it's like, you know, if it's burning on both legs, that's different than, hey, it's only- yeah, my calf feels like someone has a blowtorch to it. That's a different kind of burning, mm-hmm. right? So I think sometimes as a coach and as the person experiencing it, it just takes a little bit more reflection and teasing out of the details to get get more words to be used and just to kind of dig deeper. Yeah, I think that's helpful for both, like you said, both coaches and practitioners of, you know, like you said, analyzing, becoming yeah. more aware of what is actually going on. What does this feel like? Um, all right, cool. So what, you know, when when is it appropriate to you know, to take time off and or use a protocol, you know, you know, icing is a big one. Mm-hmm. When is it appropriate to ice? I'm happy that you asked that. So, <clears throat> rice is the common yeah. analogy, right? Yeah. Um, you know, rest, ice, compression, elevation, or th- there's a lot of different ways that people sure. have interpreted that. Um, <clears throat> it's not well known that that is not really the more, that's not as accepted of an analogy anymore, right? So, uh, rice was invented essentially to, as like an acute injury protection mechanism to some degree of, let's just say you sprain your ankle, um, okay, then you sprained it, let's rest it, let's ice it, let's elevate it up, let's maybe get some ace bandage around it to, to get the swelling and some of the fluid out from your ankle, mm-hmm. right? Um, <clears throat> And I would say that kind of the question you're asking is like, when do you utilize something like that? Well, um, a lot of times we, we now know that there's a lot of things that have a detrimental effect on our tissue healing, right? And this is not hippie science. That's, that's the phrase I usually use. Like, okay. Just to like, like separate out like someone who thinks I'm being like biased and like reading like the journal of uh, like, uh, I don't know, like the cannabis journal for healthcare or something like that. Right. Um, I think, uh, I think to some degree, uh, we have to understand like, where's the source of information coming from, but the guy who invented rice has reinvented the wheel since that, since he made that acronym a couple of times, I think. And, yeah. And so, um, when we have an acute injury and something is swollen or bruised or can't put weight on it, there's a lot of factors that we really need to consider. And, um, the, uh, the, a more recent analogy is police. Um, have you ever heard of that? I haven't heard no. of police. No, yeah. I mean I've heard some different variations. Or, or price. Okay. Price is another one, but but they're they're very similar. So you know, essentially protection is the first one, right? Not necessarily rest. So protection is the first one, meaning let's make sure that there's not something serious going on in that person's ankle. Let's just keep going with that analogy, right? Let's make sure, in fact, um, and this is, I see people directly in my clinic all the time for things that happen out in the gym or they just know me and want to come see me for that. Um, let's make sure it's not a more serious injury. Yeah. And there are some screening tools that that a physician or a PT can help you out with for sure there. But um, let's make sure that if you can't put weight on it, if it's tender all over the ankle, maybe you need some x-rays. Let's just make sure there's not a fracture. Rule it out, yeah. yeah. Rule it out, right? Um, but then... <clears throat> um, Rest is not always in the picture in a lot of a lot of our current understanding of tissue healing because because the healthiness of stressing tissue promotes healing to such a high degree. We have found in research now that resting resting things too much has a detrimental, a very detrimental effect on, um, especially on something like a sprained ankle. Now I'm going to interrupt you yeah, real quick. Please. Is it fair to say that? Let's say I'm doing a movement like a pull-up and I feel 
a sharp pain in my shoulder after a rep mm -hmm. and I'm like oh my god like that hurts really bad right. I go to do another one and it's just as bad like it it hurts the same way it would hurt to twist your ankle mm -hmm. is it is it fair to say that I assuming there's nothing you know I didn't tear something yeah, I don't need surgery can't lift your arm whatever or yeah. is it fair to say that I should continue to move my shoulder through a range of motion, but only if it doesn't cause that pain Correct. to get. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not not surpassing the the pain, the acute pain okay. barriers repetitively by right any on. means, but also not just not just freezing and laying on the couch for of a course. week is really more. And th that really used to be the model. For sure. If you if you injure yourself, you ice it. You you totally oh, back off of everything. Yeah. But there's so many other factors that you're losing out on, including probably towards the top of their cardiorespiratory health, like the circulation needed to bring the stuff into the injured area, clear it out, bring new cells and healthy blood flow into the area. That is a circular, uh, yeah, excuse me, not circular, that is a circulatory th process that needs to happen. Sure. And we can't just back off of our cardio fitness when we're injured like that because we lose out on the benefits of that, right? Um, you with me there on totally. that? Yeah. So, yeah. So, and when I say rest, um, you know, in that injury, you're in the example that you gave with like a shoulder or something hurting, yeah, that doesn't mean I'm going to swing my arm aggressively all over the place, but it is going to mean- You said to move. Yeah, right. <laughs> like make sure nothing, make sure you can lift your arm and then we're going to just kind of explore the motion that you have sure. without fear, right? There might be some pain and let's just take note of it. At the very least, let's take note of right. what are your limitations? Does it feel really, really stiff and swollen? Can you still get your arm overhead? Can you, you know, all of these things I think are, are a smart way of, of looking at it before we get alarmed, right? Um, with the police acronym, mm -hmm. so we've got protection yep. first. OL is, I believe, I, I hope I'm not screwing this up, but optimal loading, okay. right? And again, using the ankle, using the ankle is yep. an analogy here. Um, making sure it's not a fractured ankle or foot. And then trying to put gradual, gradual, gradual amounts of weight through it and, and walking and trying to walk normal over the next week or so is super healthy for it and much better than elevating your leg only and, um, and only using ice for that week. Okay. Because you are, you're making sure that you're keeping the muscles that help the tendon or the muscles that help the ankle stability in the game, right? They're not just shriveling away because they're so, because yeah. so, they haven't done anything for right. a week, right? Um, and ice, ice can have utility. Ice is helpful because it hurts. It, when something hurts, it numbs the area, uh -huh. right? Uh, but um, after the first 24, 48 hours of an injury, I generally counsel my people to not use ice and to not use uh, NSAIDs like so, ibuprofen. Also. Perfect. And yeah. with that said, you know, a lot of people use ice obviously because it does decrease the pain Correct. feeling of yeah. it. But they also, a lot of people say, well, put some ice on it to get the swelling down. And there, there's a lot of there's a lot of healthcare people that still say this out Correct. there. I'm fully aware of that, but our, our current understanding of tissue damage and injury does not support that. Okay. I mean, we we need to avoid non-steroidal anti-inflammatories if if we can, right? That's so not, basically, not all the time, of course. Right? And so yeah. you're overlying. And you know, we all disclaimer on all this stuff of is course, that everyone's yeah. an individual and there's always different circumstances and and you want to consult you want to consult a physician or, or a pt or someone and yeah make, make sure that you're like someone is aware of what you're trying to do with everything here yeah so but is it fair kind of as somewhat of an umbrella statement to say that you know ibuprofen and ice should really 
mainly only be used to manage pain for the first day or two. Yes. They shouldn't be used to necessarily decrease swelling. They shouldn't be used as a long-term plan. Correct. Very, very short-term and really just to manage pain. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, so, I, I think that's actually a really good summary of, of all that. Sweet. Know? Same, you know, elevation, uh, compression. Like the, the main reason to not have swelling in an area is to reduce the risk of secondary injury is what they call it. Uh-huh. So all the chemical irritants that are in the area um, causing damage to other structures potentially. But that's, you know, that risk goes away somewhat rapidly. Okay. And and we need to be promoting circulation and movement and gradual stress to get get back to normal as fast as possible. Right on. Um, Very cool. Well, we could talk for probably hours and hours. And uh, I think we should definitely put on doing this again. Sure, man. And maybe continue this conversation or talk about something, uh, something different. But... Yeah, man, I really appreciate that. I think this was, it was definitely useful for me. I'm imagining there's a lot of people out there who will hear this and, and definitely walk away with some things that they can sure. they can think on and, and implement into their into their lives, into their training. Uh, before we wrap it up, if someone heard this and maybe they've de- been dealing with something, they've been scared to go get it looked at or they have some questions for you, where would you send them uh, to, to reach out? So I'm really, I'm comfortable. Um, being that I am kind of a concierge practice, I'm comfortable with people reaching out to me. Um, my, my cell phone number, um, I'll give that out here. It's 248-805-1540. little plug for me, right? There you go. That's not my personal number. That's my business number. But sure. I really want people to feel comfortable connecting with their healthcare team because uh, I can help triage things for people sometimes a lot faster than what they think might yeah. be possible. So uh, a text message, I'm on Instagram. Limitless.physio, P-H-Y-S-I-O. That's also my website. Limitless.physio. Limitless.physio. Not with a dot .com at the end. No dot .com. Limitless.physio. Yes. Yeah, we'll talk about that some other time. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, dude. Anything you want to uh, say to, to wrap it up? No, man. I appreciate the opportunity. And I, I just would urge people to not be scared of pain when it happens and to reach out to someone that they feel like they can that can actually help them through the process yeah. and not try to go through it alone. Something personal real quick. Yeah. Give me one thing that you are currently working on improving, like from a self-development standpoint, whether it's professionally, fitness-wise, what's one thing you're currently working on to, to improve yourself? Man, you're throwing, you're throwing threw, it at I'm me. Getting you're throwing you. it at I'm me. getting you. No, I have some strength. I have some strength goals that I'd like to fit, that I'd like to do. So I got into PT because I had a couple of disc herniations when I was like 16 years mm-hmm. old and it wrecked me for, I mean, even through college, I had problems with my back. This is why I went to physical therapy school. So the fact that I am able to lift weights is really, really helpful for me. Um, and I, it's been the thing to keep my body the most resilient in the world. So I don't know if I'm, a, you want me to like say my numbers that I have goals? Am I, allowed to say I mean, that? you can, you yeah. don't have to, but, but you're maybe working, not, maybe not. So, so you're working on getting stronger. Anyway. I have some strength goals for things like the deadlift, uh, and the back squat, um, those are the two primary ones Perfect. that are just things that I've really undertrained on for the majority of my life that yeah. I'm trying to work on technique and, um, and building up my strength. I've got cool. three kids, so it's super important to me to be able to pick those kids up, throw them around, wrestle, do whatever I have to do. Love it. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, thanks for your time. This was cool. fun. We'll yeah. do it again. Thanks, thanks for listening, guys.